Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaHealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to One Hour at a Time. Recovery begins with education and host Mary Woods is here to educate individuals and families and provide support through the recovery process. Now here's your host, Mary Woods. Well, welcome to One Hour at a Time. Obviously, uh, this is not Mary Woods. My name is John McAndrew. I am a frequent and regular guest host on the show. I enjoy very much being here, and uh, today we have a very special guest, and uh, Michael Fitzpatrick, who has written a book with Mel B. The book is called Living the Twelve Traditions in Today's World, and Michael uh, is one of the leading archivists and historians specializing in the development of the 12-step movement, and he has worked with authors and movie producers uh, providing material for their work. He's also the co-author of 1,000 Years of Sobriety. Uh, and Mel is not here today, but Michael is here. And I believe, Michael, you're in Arizona. Is that right? Yes, I am, John. And uh, it's an honor to be on the show. Thank you for inviting me. Well, welcome. And uh, we're glad you're here. We love to talk about topics on the show, mental health and substance abuse, and um, certainly the 12-step movement is a very important part of uh, of all recovery. and And I'm very uh, I'm glad to be able to talk to an historian. I think a lot of our listeners will be as well. We wish Mel well. And uh, the book, first of all, living the 12 traditions in today's world. Um, what uh, propelled and inspired you and Mel to sort of uh, kind of co-author this book? Well, that's a great question. I, uh, I also work as a consultant for Hazelden on a project they launched two years ago called Legacy 12, which is set up to trace back the history of all the 12-step movements and begin to put some materials out related to the history of the various fellowships. Mm-hmm. So one of the projects that they wanted, they, they really would like to, uh, wanted to have Mel do a book, and uh, they had discussed that with Mel, the possibility of doing something with me on the traditions. Mel being a, uh, at the time, 61-year member of AA, 61 oh. years sober, um, he knew uh, Dr. Er, uh, Bill W. and a lot of the, the pioneering members because Mel spent much of his time in the Ohio area, not far from Akron. So it was great to have the opportunity to partner with Mel and to do something I feel is just so important to the entire recovery community um, because of the traditions. And the reason uh, 
But I feel it's so important, having done the book 1,000 Years of Sobriety with Bill Borchard a couple of years ago, he and I interviewed 20 men and women, each with 50 years sober. And I would ask them an awful lot of questions when we interviewed them to write their stories. And one of the questions I would often ask is, what, in your opinion, is the most important thing or the most important element, if you will, of the recovery of AA recovery, of the, of the program Alcoholics Anonymous. Mm-hmm. And many of them responded with some version of the traditions are the glue that keep us together, uh, uh, speaking for members of AA. The traditions are the glue that keeps the fellowship together and protects it for the future. Well, that really struck a nerve with me, and I was speaking with a publisher, and we had talked about maybe having, you know, the book that Mel does on the, you know, do it on the traditions, because AA World Service has not published a book about the traditions since 1953. And we really felt it was important to address some of the historical aspects of the traditions, as well as the application of the traditions in today's world with with people coming into AA and in different fellowships today um, that aren't maybe as bottom, uh, uh, haven't hit a bottom quite as severely as some of the folks had when Bill Wilson was writing the 12 and 12, the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions book back in the early 50s. So that was kind of where we came from, and and, uh, I probably gave you more information on that than I needed to, but... That was well, you know, and a couple of questions, I think, for our listeners, too. Um, and who is Hazel, then, and why, why are they so important in this process? Oh, that's a great question. Hazel, then, Publishing is the leading publishing company in the field of recovery today. They also have uh, their Minnesota-based operation. They have a large treatment facility. They train, uh, they have a, a educational staff where they train um, people in the recovery field that go out into their respected communities after they get certification to work with others. And Hazelden, you know, has been a, a strong uh, supporter of Alcoholics Anonymous and all recovery uh, since the late 40s. Mm-hmm. And historically... When did Alcoholics Anonymous get started? Well, Alcoholics Anonymous officially started. They take the the date of June 10th, 1935, as their official date of AA beginning, and they base that on Dr. Bob, one of the co-founders, having had his last drink on that date. Now, uh, researchers and historians have been able to identify that, that that date's inaccurate, and it was likely June 17th that Dr. Bob had his, his last drink of alcohol. But AA has always used the June 10th as the founding uh, date of the fellowship, and they just celebrated their anniversary on June 10th with a big Founders Day celebration in Akron, Ohio, just a week ago. So 1935. Yes. Is that correct? Yes, sir. So these two fellas, uh, Bill and Bob, right? Mm Mm-hmm. They're considered to be the two founders, 1935. 
and, and some of the literature um, you mention um, that the traditions uh, were formally adopted in 1950. So can you explain what happened between 1935 and 1950? Uh, that's, a, that, that's a great <laughs> question. I hope I can explain it in the next little bit. Yeah, you got a week? Uh, uh, exactly. Um, 1935, when AA uh, uh, started, Bill Wilson had been sober about six months prior to meeting Dr. Bob Smith in Akron. And I, you know, we, for, to keep this relatively brief, I won't go into a lot of detail, but Bill W. was in Akron on a business trip, which turned out to be a, a failed business trip for what he was there for. But it also turned out to be the the founding of the greatest movement in some people's opinion to, uh, that mankind has ever had, uh-huh. certainly in, for recovery without any doubt. But while Bill was there, uh, he himself, being newly, newly sober, found that he was in dire straits, thinking about picking up a drink of alcohol. His business deal had fallen through. He had no money left. He lived in New York and didn't even have the fare to get back to New York. And he tells a story that he was pacing in the lobby of the hotel, which was the Mayflower Hotel, contemplating taking a drink. There was a bar down at one end of the of the lobby and a church directory down at the other end. And he would see that church directory and wonder, I wonder if there's someone there I could call that might be able to direct me to somebody I could help. Because what Bill had learned as he stayed sober for those first six months was every time he worked with another person, even though those people had not stayed sober, mm-hmm. he was staying sober. So he uh-huh. knew his answer was in reaching out to another person like him. And he, uh, through a series of events, after uh, finding a name on that church directory, he was led to the home of the Henrietta Cyberling, which was the Cyberlings were a famous family, a very well-to-do family in the rubber business in Akron. And Bill, through a meeting with her, was introduced to Dr. Bob Smith on May 12, 1935. That was the date that Dr. Bob and Bill first met. And from okay. there, they began to work out this formula for recovery. They began to realize that there were certain components that needed to be there. One was they needed complete deflation. Another they felt at the time was they needed to be willing to go out and and confess their wrongs to people they had harmed and attempt to make restitution. And they Mm -hmm. also knew that this concept of working with others was important. So they began to follow that. And over the next few years, the membership grew very, very slowly because it was just one one uh, newly sober alcoholic trying to talk to someone who was maybe in the hospital, maybe out of an alley or off a bar stool, maybe yeah. coming out of an institution. They were putting people into asylums then. And Bill and Dr. Bob, the first guys they worked with were these type of men that were coming from these places. And most of them failed. Most of them did not get sober. And after some successes, they had about 40 people successfully sober 
by the fall of 1937. So this was a couple of years after their work started. They had 40 people sober, and they met together in Akron, and they decided that the, that it was time to do a publication, to write a book, right. so that they could communicate their message to others. And Bill was assigned with that task, and he did have the assistance of some of the other early members. But he wrote a book called Alcoholics Anonymous, and it was a book of experience, which had then become, once published, the basic text for the AA program, and that's what they use today. And they call that the big book, right? Yes, they, that's what they refer to as the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And mm-hmm. it's interesting, in all these years, John, they've never made any significant changes to that book. But the experiences that they had, the book was published in April of 1939. And, and during that time, it was still slow moving for because of the stigma with alcoholics, because they didn't want to come out and tell everyone in their community that they were alcoholics. They felt that that could could cause them harm if someone were to get drunk and fall off, that that people would look at it and say that that AA thing doesn't work. So they were very careful about about this. And when they wrote the book in the forward to the first edition, they even... uh, uh, acknowledged that and said we're too few at this present time that we don't want to that we're when speaking we ask our members to just identify themselves as a member of Alcoholics Anonymous and they didn't even use their names at that time they right. were very guarded wow very interesting only 40 people in those first two years yep and 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 what's interesting is they worked very very hard in those first two years to attempt to to get people sober the The problem looking back historically was they lacked a lot of the tools and when they when they came up with the idea to document their experience in this in this basic textbook this alcoholics anonymous, they were able to give instructions if you will. Uh, based on their experience, not not a guide of how to, as much as these are what we have found that work for us, and they they put this in this book, which today has sold over thirty million copies. It's wow, just amazing! And and because an alcoholic or a person in recovery, whether it's a family member or someone suffering from another addiction. They've been able to pick up that book and read these experiences and see the, what, the, what they had outlined as a program of recovery and then apply those in their lives and get the same results as those first 40 members. And it's duplicated and duplicated today. They have over 2 million members in Alcoholics Anonymous. Oh, wow. And there are several <laughs> other groups that that use the 12 steps and the 12 traditions as well. And it would be interesting, um, I don't know figures, if someone asked, I wonder how many people's lives have been saved um, from alcohol and drugs and, and mental health issues, all sorts of things, by the 12 steps and the 12 traditions. I think when we come back in the next section, I'm very interested on your, as an archivist, Michael, on how they came up with 12 steps and then this other piece about their traditions, um, historically how 
you know, those came into play. And, and, and from, from what I gather and from what I've read in the book, Bill and Bob had no clue what they were doing, what was going to happen, and that this profound effect would, would be uh, spread across the world. Again, we're talking with Michael Fitzpatrick, who has co-written the book with Mel B. called Living the Twelve Traditions in Today's World. And this is One Hour at a Time with Mary Woods. I'm your guest host, John McAndrew, and we'll be back in just a minute. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. There are a number of health and social services available to individuals for low cost or no cost. Now there's a radio program devoted to bringing you the information you need. Tune in to Outreach Today with host Melissa Jenkins-Simon. Our program promotes the benefits and services of CI Incorporated, providing health and social services over a wide spectrum of resources and agencies. We want to help you. Tune in to Outreach Today, Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family center recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guest, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back to One Hour at a Time. I'm John McAndrew, your guest host, and we've been talking with Michael Fitzpatrick, who's an archivist and who has co-written a book with Mal B. called Living the Twelve Traditions in Today's World. And archivist um, Michael is probably one of the leading archivists in the country and historians uh, specializing in the development of the 12-step movement, about Alcoholics Anonymous, about their founders, He's a co-author of another book called 1,000 Years of Sobriety, and we've sort of laid the groundwork for our listeners about Alcoholics Anonymous being founded in 1935 officially by Bob and Bill, and uh, it took them two years to get around 40 people in the fellowship, and then they started to write a book. And I'm curious for Michael's uh, insight on the history of... uh, how did they come up with 12 steps, you know, these two guys that had no intention or I, I, I think I'm being accurate, they had no clue what they were doing, and they have founded probably one of the most powerful movements in the world. So, Michael, if you can take it from there, how in the heck did 12 steps, <laughs> I mean, uh, 
John, I'm chuckling a little bit because I think as a historian, that's a question that no one will ever be able to fully (laughs) comprehend. And that being how a newly sober stockbroker who uh, uh, had struggled with his own sobriety for years to get sober could Mm -hmm. ever draft the 12 Steps and the book Alcoholics Anonymous that has literally, as I mentioned, sold 30 million copies. Um, it's just amazing. You were Before I we went to break, you had mentioned other fellowships and programs. I spoke with the archivist at AA World Service a few years ago. I was doing a workshop on AA history, and I had uh, inquired it to some some numbers from her, and one of the questions I had was if they had any record of how many fellowships use the 12 steps. Right. And unfortunately, because, you know, the programs are anonymous and, and it's difficult, she didn't have an exact number for me, but she was able to tell me that from 1950 to 19, or to 2007, there had been 543 different organizations request and were granted permission to use the 12 steps and 12 traditions that originated in Alcoholics Anonymous. And when you think about that kind of number, uh, it's amazing, but I'm sure that the figure, if there's 2,000 sober members of Alcoholics Anonymous today, there are 20 million people. If there's 2 million members, I'm sorry if I said 2,000. If there's 2 million members in AA, it's conceivable to believe that the number of people being impacted by the 12 steps in today's world and the 12 traditions could be as high or even higher than 20 million. Wow. So what is the secret? Does anybody know? Well, uh, you know, Bill, uh, when he was writing the steps, he had originally been attending some meetings of the Oxford group, and because of time, I'll just say the Oxford group was a non-denominational evangelical movement that was popular in the late 20s and through the mid-30s. Mm-hmm. And New York was their headquarters for in the United States. And Bill had been introduced to the Oxford group by the man he referred to as his sponsor, Ebby. And in, in the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous, Bill refers to Ebby as my schoolmate who had come to, bi- to visit Bill, and Ebby was sober and Bill was, was drunk. Ebby introduced Bill to the Oxford group, and Bill began attending some meetings of the Oxford group. Right. There, <clears throat> there they picked up some principles that they could begin to work. And Ebby, when Bill was in the, Bill was hospitalized for the last time in Towns Hospital in December 1934, and Ebby came to see Bill while he was there. And Bill said, "Now, what what is this, Ebby, that we do? What what is this little formula that you have?" And Ebby said, "Bill, the first thing is complete deflation." And later in Bill's talk. He refers to that deflation, and in answer to your question, I think that's the common thread in all of recovery, regardless of what it is the individual is recovering from, be it 
uh, overeating or addiction to barbiturates or heroin or alcohol or any of the other 12-step movements, the first component is that deflation at, at depth, complete deflation and surrender. And mm-hmm. Bill recognized that. So he took that first thing that Ebby had said. Ebby actually had six points that he, that he had given to Bill. And they were using those six steps for that first two years up until they had the 40 members. And Bill then said, and they didn't really have steps, but they had those six, Bill called them steps later on. But one was deflation. The other was uh, belief in some power greater than yourself. Even if you do it just as an experiment. was Bill. So they were initially uh, principles, is that what you said? Yes. Okay. And uh, so Bill, uh, Abby had said, a belief in a power greater than yourself, even if you're just as an experiment, because he knew that Bill was very reluctant with any belief in religion or anything like that. So he, he gave it to Bill that way. Then he had suggested to Bill that he needed to make a confession for the wrongs that he had done. He needed to list the people that he had harmed and have willingness to go help them. He needed to work with other people with his problem, with other alcoholics, and by doing that, he would stay sober. When Bill was set task to write the book, he took those original six steps and decided that he needed to elaborate upon those, and he had the experience by then. It wasn't just him and Ebby. He had the experience of those first 40 members. So he took their experiences and he elaborated. He said he didn't want to leave any wiggle room for the next alcoholic to get out. So he did 12 steps. And he tells a story of writing the steps that it just came to him in about 30 minutes. And he sat down with a pencil and a pad and he started writing. And and, And he numbered them. One, and then he wrote the first step. Admitted we were powerless, that our lives had become, uh, our powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Step three, and he went, and he just started writing. Now, I've heard various versions of that, but I just would have to answer that most of the AA people would say that that was the hand of God, that that was divine providence that worked through Bill as he wrote these. And Bill himself said, I didn't write the steps, God did. Well, so I hope that kind of gives a little bit more info on that, uh, John. Well, it does, and I, especially uh, this thought of principles, now that's, sort of the under uh, title of your book, Living the Twelve Traditions in Today's World, Principles Before Personalities. And so Bill and Bob, they get started and they go a couple of years and and from their experience, uh, divine intervention, if it's okay to say, come these 12 steps to recovery. And uh, we've still got... 1937 or 38, roughly, to 1950, is that correct? Where yeah. uh, 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 evidently these the groups start to grow all over the place, right? Yeah, if I will. 
What happened is the book Alcoholics Anonymous was published in April of 39. Okay. Once that book was published, they found that they could send that book out to people who had inquired. There was an article in a very popular magazine at the time called Liberty Magazine. And that article came out, and there was an article entitled Alcoholics and God. And they told about the AA Fellowship in, in that, about this new group of people who were finding a way to get sober. After that, the Saturday Evening Post followed up with an article which really has become famous among AA and recovery people, and that was an article written by Jack Alexander in the March issue of the Saturday Evening Post. And that article, after that article, it was a full feature article on Alcoholics Anonymous with photographs and everything. And, and the photos in that, they actually show the faces. And Alcoholics Anonymous has, uh, did not yet have a tradition that asks their members not to be photographed. But that was one of the concerns and one of the requirements that the Saturday Evening Post had at the time was they wanted to be able to show these photographs. Okay. The result of that magazine article was AA membership jumped from about 800 Okay, you know it's it's questionable the exact numbers because they weren't you know anonymous organization wasn't keeping track of their members that closely, but somewhere between eight hundred and two thousand members at nineteen forty one, within almost overnight they had eight thousand members. Wow! So they had groups as far away as California. Um, the program was spreading in many different cities, and each group, whoever was founding the group, was the was the one who was setting the rules because AA had no rules, they had no guidelines. All they had okay. was this book of of experience. So here comes but, the traditions, right? Right. So what happened was after uh, uh, a few years of this, as AA began to experience incredibly rapid growth. There were things happening where there was a ball player in Cleveland, Ohio, named Raleigh H., <laughs> who was a catcher for Cleveland, um, came out in, na- in several national magazines and broke his anonymity and said he was a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. Several other people had done that, including Bill Wilson. So by 1946, Bill Wilson had uh, realized, and with the help of some other pioneering members, there was a, a one in Chicago, the founder of AA in Chicago named Earl T., uh, got together, and, and it was suggested that maybe Bill take and, and take these principles and these experiences that the members of the groups were now having and create some format of guidelines for a group. Mm-hmm. And Bill began to do that, and, and uh, there's a lot of funny stories that go with it. He said he had asked the groups to send him their membership rules, and so a lot of the groups had, had responded and sent their membership rules, and Bill said there were so many membership rules that if they had put those in place at any time, there wasn't a single person left that would have qualified for AA. Oh, that's funny. 
So he finally so came up with the only membership rule, and AA really has no rules, but it, it, it yeah. states that the only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. Uh-huh. And it, it's that simple. So if a person yeah. has, a, has a drinking experience and a desire not to drink, there is no other requirement they have to have. They don't have to have drank for any period of time, any period of uh, uh, amount. They haven't had to be arrested. There's just the only thing they have to have is a desire not to drink, and they're a, they're a member if they say so. Yeah. And uh, so Bill began to take the experiences from these groups as he did the experience of those first members when he wrote the book. See, he took the the members when he wrote their experience when he wrote the book, and when he wrote the traditions, he took the experiences of the first groups. Well, thank you know, thank you, Michael. We're we're talking with Michael Fitzpatrick, who has co-authored the book "Living the Twelve Traditions in Today's World," and I think we've got up where the traditions came from. And we when we come back, we're going to talk about how to. Uh, to live those in today's world in 2012 and we will be right back you're listening to voice america health and wellness Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tong has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guest, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back. We're still talking with Michael Fitzpatrick, and my name is John McAndrew, a couple of Irishmen. Uh, and Michael is the co-author of the book, Living the Twelve Traditions in Today's World, and he has co-authored it with Mel B., who is a uh, long, long-time member of Alcoholics Anonymous. Michael is a historian specializing in the history of the 12-step movement, and we've been talking about how... AA got founded and how the traditions 
came to be. And uh, we're going to probably get to the meat of the book here, I think, Michael, about how uh, the traditions, how you live those traditions in today's world. You mentioned some old baseball players and people that broke their anonymity back in the 50s. Nowadays, you have the Internet and you've got Facebook and you've got television. Um, and you've got a lot of, uh, I mean, we all know, all of us have seen television, that picture of uh, the movie stars, you know, mm-hmm. their DUI pictures and all these different things. So I'm curious as also about how you and Mel kind of were inspired and worked together specifically on this issue, principles before personalities, and what drew you to the content of this new book, which is really fascinating. Well, thanks, John, and I'd love to talk about uh, specifics about the book and the traditions. I know there's an awful lot of people out in the recovery community that really don't have a good working knowledge of the traditions. And Mel and I had discussed in, in length, along with the editorial team at Hazelden, about some of the ideas that that we might want to present in a book. We did not want to do just a book strictly about the history of the traditions, although in this book we put some, uh, the original, when the traditions were adopted, they were originally written in 1946 in what they called a long form, within AA, and then after that, they were revised slightly and shortened, and in 1950, at AA's first international convention, they were introduced to the fellowship, and they were adopted there in 1950 as part of AA. Now, at that time, uh, Bill W. had asked, or the conference committee, I probably should say, had asked six members from across the country each to talk about two of the traditions. And they had the sober men speaking each on two traditions. And what I was able to do, because uh, one of the references to me being an archivist is is inaccurate. Um, AA has archivists in various cities and, of course, at their World Service Center. (laughs) I am a historian, really, of the whole 12-step movement, um, and I have had family members in recovery for many years, and it's just really kind of gotten me very, very interested. And I, I have a library in my home from one of the early members of AA that dates back to 1946, and it's the largest historical archive of a, original AA recordings. They're all on reel-to-reel tapes. Uh-huh. In any case, in that library, I have recordings of those six men, each giving, talking about the two traditions in Cleveland. And we included those transcriptions from those talks in the book. Oh. And there's a CD that comes in the back of the book that has the actual audio from that convention from each of those six men. So I think wow. the and there's 19 be... there's 19 tracks on that CD, is that right? Yes, yes. Of these uh, speakers and uh, uh you, of these speakers of Bill W talking about different stories related to the traditions, 
Um, a couple of uh, early people that worked in the general service office, it was then called the AA Foundation Office in oh, wow. New York, talking a little bit about the traditions. So it's a good mix of what's contained in the book. And I think the listeners are going to enjoy the CD as much as they are the the actual book. Uh-huh. Well, absolutely. As we were doing that, we wanted to bring the traditions to life as far as today. Why is it important for a person coming into Alcoholics Anonymous today um, and getting sober and getting their life together to not go public or on TV or have a press release that, you know, they're a sober member of Alcoholics Anonymous? Well, uh, you know, Bill had had tremendous vision when he wrote these traditions uh, along with the pioneers. And the 11th tradition in particular of AA states, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. And, of course, today with the Internet and Twitter and all the things that we have, um, those are a public forum, and, and the respect to the tradition should be upheld in every area, uh, not just what they had in 1950. The reason for that is because the attraction, if, if someone is attracted to the recovery by the, by the members, AA incidentally has open meetings in every city in the United States. And if any non-alcoholic or family member would like to attend a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous, they're welcome to attend an open meeting. Anybody? Anybody? Anyone. And, and oh. AA even encourages people who aren't sure if they're alcoholic to attend open meetings, and they might be able to then figure out, oh, hey, you know, I'm one of them too. And it really is something more of an attraction than a promotion and AA is always maintained. They don't need their members out there uh, breaking their anonymity at these levels for n- numerous reasons. One is it's very unhealthy for the individual that, that's doing it. At least that was their experience. Their experience was when people go out and they start announcing that they're recovered and they're in Alcoholics Anonymous and they have this amount of sobriety, and all of these things, one of the one of the principles that that idea of deflation at depth that Bill Wilson talks about and addresses in that first step is addressed in the in the the tradition of anonymity because he wants to guard that ego, and the alcoholic has had such difficulty with ego that as from a spiritual standpoint, Wilson knew that we had to lessen the ego so the alcoholic could allow room for the grace of their higher power to enter in and help them restore themselves to a good life. Uh-huh. So that a lot of it is for the for the individual, not so much for the society. And I think that's where people get confused. They start thinking you know, well, AA is going to be here. It's got two million members. It doesn't matter if I go out and I break my anonymity. But yet, the 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 real person who can be injured is the person who's doing it. Right. So that's just as important. The other thing is, is if the uh, the first tradition 
in Alcoholics Anonymous is the common welfare comes first. Then it says personal recovery depends upon AA unity. What that tradition is really telling people of today is that when they come into Alcoholics Anonymous and they acknowledge their membership with a desire to not drink, they're a member. And the common welfare, the welfare of the whole group of people has to come first. That it's, we come from a culture that from the time we're born on, we're taught to be competitive. We're taught to be leaders. We're told that if we run fast, we'll win the race. If we study hard, we'll get the grades. If we work hard, we'll get the promotion. If we're the manager, we're on top and we're recognized financially. And our culture teaches us to be competitive, to go for the prize, to go for the job and the prestige and the power. And in Alcoholics Anonymous, Wilson realized as a result of the experience of these members in these groups that they couldn't have these egos fighting and battling for position, that it had to be the common welfare had to come first. Each person was equal, and because of that, there can be personal recovery. Without that, there would be no recovery at all. It sounds like teamwork sort of approach than um, having a star of the team kind of thing, which I guess we do see all the time in sports, don't we? <laughs> Very much so. Is that why the New England Patriots win all the time? <laughs> <laughs> it may be. <laughs> I don't know. A teamwork. Well, it sounds unnatural, Michael. <laughs> That's beautiful. Are we going to break here? We are. And I again, we'll be back with uh, with Michael Fitzpatrick, an historian. And he's talking about his book, Living the Twelve Traditions in Today's World. And when we come back, Michael, we'll... We'll have you tell us how to get this book, and we'll continue a little bit more about the traditions in today's world. And we'll be right back. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. The show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. 
You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back. We're in our last segment with uh, Michael Fitzpatrick, and we've been talking in the last segment about the traditions, and he's been telling us, uh, kind of told us why and where they came from, and he's been expounding a little bit on some of the traditions and how uh, they were written roughly in the 19, early 1950s, something like that, and it's 2012, and... Uh, being in recovery and anonymity are uh, sometimes a bit of a challenge, I guess, and uh, I think that's probably part of the reason that you and Mel wrote this book. And uh, maybe you could continue where you left off about uh, about anonymity and uh, and the. Well, I'd, I'd be happy to, uh, John, and and I know we're we're wrapping it up with the final segment of the show. Uh, before I you know go into that, I would like to say that the book has just come out. Living the 12 Traditions in Today's World. It's published by Hazelden Publishing Company. It can be ordered at hazelden.org at their website or by calling their toll-free number, which is 800-328-9000. And I do understand it's in all major uh, online bookstores, so it it can be easily found if they look up... uh, Michael Fitzpatrick, or We Recover Two Thousand Years of Sobriety. Those are some of the other titles of books that I've that I've recently done. Um, getting back to the traditions, though, Mel and I felt that it was very important to not to not limit what we were presenting to a historical perspective, but to try to bring it up to some modern day um, issues and address those. And they are addressed throughout the book. Um, one example uh, is uh, this idea of breaking anonymity that's, that we're talking about at a public level. And going back historically to why Bill Wilson uh, suggested that they don't do that. And I use words like suggestions because AA really does not have a set rules. They have suggestions for the individuals and suggestions for the groups. There's one tradition that says each group is autonomous, except for when uh, affecting other groups. And what that really means for the AA group is they can they can do things the way that they see fit, provided their actions don't directly affect neighboring groups or AA as a whole, as an organization. So there's a lot of freedom that the groups have. But the individuals, the same thing with an individual. I think Bill was, uh, when he wrote these traditions, he wanted to protect the individual and he wanted to protect Alcoholics Anonymous so it would be there for all future generations. And I, I do believe that as a result of the traditions, success is being, uh, progress and success is being maintained in other organizations like CA, NA, GA, PA, 
assay, all these 12-step programs, because Alcoholics Anonymous tradition of singleness of purpose, which basically says AA is there to help the next alcoholic. Mm-hmm. That's AA's purpose, is to help the next alcoholic. And because of that, they don't, AA does not try to be all things to all people. AA is not out there to try to fix someone's heroin product. What Bill, uh, problem. What Bill said was if they have a problem and they want to use our 12 steps, they're welcome to it. And they have successfully started these other 12 step movements that are growing rapidly here in Arizona. Uh, and I know throughout the country, uh, HA and CA and NA are just growing rapidly among younger people. Many young people attend these fellowships and are finding hope and recovery that never would have found it before had Bill tried, had, had AA tried to be all things. Right. This would not have been successful. And Bill, Bill, um, I've read some articles in preparing, you know, for today's interview, and uh, Bill Wilson evidently suffered from some severe mental health issues, and that was no secret. Um, And somehow he found, I think he told people to go get help, outside help. I'm assuming that means doctors and you know, professional people, and by all means, get outside help, but use these principles uh, in your recovery, plus, you know, getting help for other issues. And in today's world, you know, mental health and substance abuse or co-occurring or dual diagnosis um, is such a big, big word. And um, is that part of the change, do you believe, from 1950 to 2012, do you think there's more of those issues now, or is it just, are we thinking about it more? Well, I, I think what has happened through the years is we've gotten a much younger grouping of people have gotten in trouble quicker. Oh. It, is, it is not uncommon for a 16-year-old high school student or a former high school student to be addicted to crystal meth or heroin today. And that individual at 16 is not even at a legal drinking age. So what, what happens, or the dilemma or conflict often is, it's difficult for them to say I qualify as an alcoholic because I have had no experience or very limited experience drinking. So these other organizations are very, very helpful to them. And I believe that the problem existed back in 1935, as it does today, but I don't believe it was nearly as popular or as widespread with the younger generation and some of the chemicals they have today um, are, are much uh, different. You know, then, you know, there was morphine, there were barbiturates, uh, there were there were members coming into Alcoholics Anonymous in the 50s and 60s that they right. were being hooked on barbiturates by the medical community because they hadn't yet recognized that this was a problem for the alcoholic. Right. So yeah, uh, it's a cultural thing, really, John. But I think that that Bill, in the writing the 12 traditions and what Mel and I tried to address in this book 
was the importance of these traditions in today's world. And the last tradition says we practice these principles in all of our affairs. And uh, that's, you know, I, I actually would like to read that principle. It says anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And really the principles before personalities within the various fellowships helps the individual say, I'm here for the common welfare, not just for me. So they begin to become a little more tolerant, a little more loving, and a little more patient with the people that they're sitting next to that are also there for recovery, too. Right. I think your idea of teamwork fits very well. I, I believe in, in, in a... Uh, in one sense, that's very much what, what the 12-step groups have have developed, and that's some strong and, foundation of unity as a team where each person, the different, the problem or the challenge with teams is you have a captain, you have a coach, and a leader. In Alcoholics Anonymous and the other 12-step groups, you really don't have those, but they do have a sponsor, and they might have people that, uh, are out speaking at the meetings and things like this. So there are some leaders, but in AA, those leaders are servants. Right. They're not dictators or, or power seekers. And you've also talked about the third tradition, uh, and the only requirement is a desire to stop drinking. You have also written here no barriers to entry. So that's really the only requirement. Uh that they have a desire to stop using, drinking, um, whatever. And I think that's, uh, you know, I read part of that chapter, and, and uh, I think it's very compelling for the readers to read that as well. Again, the book is Living the Twelve Traditions in Today's World. It's written by Mel B. and Michael Fitzpatrick. And we've been speaking this hour with Michael who is an historian, more than an archivist, I guess he said, but specializing in the 12-step movement. He has another book called 1,000 Years of Sobriety. But this new book is just out. It's called Living the 12 Traditions in Today's World, Principles Before Personalities. You can call Hazelden at 800-328-9000. Go to their website, www.hazelden.com or org. Dot org, John. Dot org. And, uh, Michael, the book will be in all the bookstores. And uh, we at one hour at a time want to thank you for all your, all your knowledge today. And uh, maybe the next time around you can uh, drag Mel with you. And <laughs> I would love to do that. Thank you so much for having me as a guest on the show. I do want thank to you. say if any of the uh, listeners want to contact me, they can go to my website, recoveryauthor.com and shoot me an email. I'd love to hear from them. Very good. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. Bye-bye. Have a good day. Bye-bye. We appreciate you joining us today for one hour at a time. Successful recovery from a substance abuse problem or mental illness depends on education and support of loved ones. Thank you for being that support system. Be sure to tune in next week for another hour of education and compassion. One hour at a time. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel.